You slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you do need to snooze, we would much rather you did that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In Podcast. Now, this is not a substitute for all the great things we find in church, like intergenerational community and the support and encouragement that brings charming children at children's time or the cookies and um, coffee after church, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're not even perfect preachers. We're just your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. And we started this podcast, so if you're away from home, working, coaching your kids' soccer team, or just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we just ask that you would keep an open heart and an open mind. And a quick note, we're serious about that open mind thing. We don't think that you have to agree with everything we say. And in fact, we encourage you to question, to disagree, and to figure out what you think. But our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So Susan, today we are on step seven of yes. the 12 step process. Spirituality in the 12 steps is the theme for this sermon series. And we're studying Richard Rory's book, Breathing Underwater, and talking about what do recovery and salvation have in common? What can they learn from each other? What do they need from each other? And so uh, this week, our step that we're discussing is we ask God to remove all these defects of character. But we'll go back and we'll review the first six steps. So Susan, what was step number one? Step number one is understanding that we are powerless. And that that, that, that that powerless makes our life unmanageable. So there's something that we're struggling with that we can't right. fix. And it doesn't have to be, um, I think we've, we've, we've in some ways narrowed addiction to physical things. Right. You know, to drugs, to alcohol, to food. But we're really talking about addiction as as something that we can be addicted to of a, of a process or an experience. A or habit. A habit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the second step is we came to believe that there was a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. In other words, there's this thing that we can't quite control, even though we've tried on our own, but God might have something to teach us about that. Yeah. And then that leads us to step three, where we make the decision to turn our life over to God and our struggles over to God. It keeps resonating with me is the idea of trusting God mm-hmm. more than we trust ourselves. Yes, exactly. So then number four, trusting God. Given that we trust God and we think God has something to teach us about the situation that's unmanageable, we have the courage mm-hmm. to do a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. In other words, to just take a look around the closet and see what all we've been hiding in there. Look at look at the, the look at the moldy and musty corners and the spy, under the spider webs and see what's there. See what's there and not be afraid of it. Right. Especially because God will meet us there. Because we can trust God, God yeah. will meet us there. Right? Right. And so then we after we've done that, we've got to admit to God and ourselves and another human being the, the exact, exact nature, nature of our wrongs. And I keep saying that out loud without masks and without excuses. Right. So instead of just looking around the closet, you actually unpack it. Mm-hmm. You pull everything out of the closet and you just help somebody else see what you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So after we've confessed, then 
we were ready to have God remove all these defects of character. In other words, it was kind of a two-part process. We had to be ready Mm -hmm. so that God could do this work in us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's lots of ways that 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 might work itself out in our lives. But how do we make ourselves ready for God's transformation? Right. It's like getting rid of excuses or the things that we just come up against and decide um, we don't want to plow through or... Those sorts of things. Right. Yeah. And the thing I tell my congregation is we're doing these one sort of one step at a week, but it might take a little longer than that sometimes. Yeah. And it's okay if this takes a little bit longer, but we're just going to go through the whole process. So we're all familiar with it. Right. Um, but don't beat yourself up if you're going, man, I'm still on step three. It's okay. It's okay. Be where it's you okay. are. That's all right. Let it take the time it needs to right. take. So what we discussed this week is seven. Humbly yep. ask God to remove those shortcomings, right? Like it's not just do the work to see them, but we have to, we have to let them be changed. Yeah. And we can't decide how to do that or decide how God's going to do that. Exactly. So, so the question we both kind of started with was if God knows what we need and loves us and cares about us, why do we have to ask? Shouldn't God just know? Shouldn't God just know? And there's a lot of answers to that. One of them is Jesus never forces himself on anybody. Right. So you see in scripture, when there's a healing story, Jesus always walks up to the person and says, what do you want? What do you need? Because he's not going to assume the thing that is the visible struggle is the thing that they actually need help with. That's why he forgives sins sometimes before he heals bodies. Because maybe that's the thing that's most important. Important. Right. Jesus talks about asking a lot. Yeah. Right. Not just in those interpersonal reactions, but he says, you know, ask and you'll receive. Right. You know, seek and find, knock and answer, and the door will be opened. Think that this is a dynamic relationship, which we'll get into more in a little bit. But Christians call this what we're talking about prayer. Yeah, we call this prayer. Prayer throughout the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures is brutal honesty with God. Yeah. Prayer is about not having any artifice Mm -hmm. and letting God know what we actually need. Um, Prayer is about building relationship with God rather than building a to-do list for God. Here, God, here is my Santa list for you. Right. Um, That's not really what it is. And prayer, asking like thanking and praising is really not about God at all. It's It's about our posture in the world. It's about where we place ourselves in the relationship. Do we think that we get to be God's director of operations? Or are we in a relationship with God that's kind of give and take, where we actually need to be open to what God has to say to us, as well as uh, being willing to share with God the things that we're struggling with? One of the things that Richard Ward keeps pointing out is sort of where Christianity has fallen short of, course, of, yeah. of the potential of, of who we are. Yeah. And I think it really isn't one of these things because I think sometimes I hear prayer and, and people aren't using these words, but they're using these intentions. Uh-huh. Like if I pray hard enough, I can talk God into this thing. Right. Or if or, I just keep begging over right. and over and over again, God will do it my, my way. way. Right. Or those situations where you, you know, how many, how many prayer lists can I get on? Does yeah. the group with the be- most and the best prayers win? Right. Whose prayer list is the most powerful? And I'm going to put my right. sick friend on all of them at the same time. Right. And I don't think prayer hurts, but it's not really, it's not the Olympics of prayer. Right. 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 Every and prayer I think, gets heard. Um, and then there, there's also the way that we think of, of prayer, like the luck of the draw. Sure. One of my one of my folks on Monday night was, Monday night Bible study was like, yeah, sometimes I remember as a kid using prayer and thinking of it like being the 13th caller on a, on a, on a radio station, right? Like, Hello, Rock I, 103. Am yeah, I the 13th caller? caller? That idea of like, if I just do it right and, and enough, 
Maybe yeah. maybe my my number will come up if I catch good God in a good moment. Right, right. Um, it's that well, and it's sort of then a deti- an entitlement thing because it becomes about deserving or earning right. rather than putting yourself in the place of gratitude, noticing, appreciating, right. uh, being humble in that relationship. Well, and I think there's some other ways we also do it, right? Like that we've been confused, like about prayer, like I, you know, prosperity gospel. Oh my goodness, yeah. If you if you pray the right amount, if you give the right amount, then God will make you all right. the things you've ever wanted. Or to even be. some of the manifestation gospel mm-hmm. stuff. Not um, it's not even. If you think Christian, it, it will become. become. I'm showing the age of my parents. I think when I say this, but sort of Dale Carnegie sales techniques. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you like, tell me what I can do for you. Yeah. I can do for you. Yeah. Right. And, and how many we, Hail Marys until I get this right. thing that I want? It, it reminds me that we need to, again, talk about the very nature of God. Right. The nature right. of God and the nature of prayer. I, I reminded my folks about how a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the very nature of God. Um, Richard Rohr says is one who acts with total freedom and divine integrity and divine integrity. Yes. Right. And like, if we take that knowledge to prayer, mm-hmm. then what are we doing? How do we change the? What How we're does that change for? who we're, what we're grasping for and asking for? Right. Well, when I think about the lowest moments of my life, when I think about what my prayers were, a lot of my prayers were like, "Why on earth?" Yeah. <laughs> right. Why? Uh-huh. Why? Just help me understand this, because as soon as I understand why, I can fix it. Right? Right. Which is not always true. Which is not always true. Um, but it and is then the it feeling was, you have. Okay, well then if I have to ask God to fix this, then God, here's how I'd like you to fix it. <laughs> right. Right? Which didn't always work. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's not even that you're intentionally praying these ways. It's just we're so desperate in those moments that it's hard for us right. to remember who we're talking to. It also comes back to our our lizard brain. What is our yeah. lizard brain wanting versus what is the, the, the real... The healing, shalom, shalom kind of thing. So it would take me a while until I would get to the place of realizing I don't actually need to give God the plan. Mm-hmm. I can just say, God, here is how I am. Right. Here's how I am. Can you help me work on this thing? Right. And God, I, you know, I've heard people say God answers prayers three ways. Yes, no, and wait. And I think that's garbage. Right? Uh, yeah. I think it's it's a nice plaque on the wall. Yeah. I think God's way of communicating with us is often turning us like one degree in a different direction. Right. And changing our center of gravity right. a little bit, changing our, our main orientation a little bit, because the thing that we're asking for might be something God's already working on in us, just not in the way that we were wanting or expecting exactly. or, or desiring or anything else. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. But so it just often it feels, it, it feels like so incremental that it sneaks up on us too. Yeah. And like, I think that's, that's important to note because I think the stories we hear about answered prayer are like... The lightning bolts and the... Children who are miraculously healed, healed in the hospital and, the, and overnight. And yeah, that happens. But I think if we look back over our lives and we, uh, you know, when people come and, you know, we, you and I have this situation where people come to us and go, why isn't... Why isn't this, this happening? Right. Okay. And we have to go, well, do you remember where you were last year? Yeah. Do you it's, remember where you were five years ago? I had somebody ask me the other day, they're like, why can't something good just happen to this person? Like, why is it always something bad that's happening to this person? Why can't something good just happen? And mm-hmm. I kind of thought back over the years that I've known this person, and I went, lots of good things have happened. And in the midst of all the terrible things that have happened, the community has come around this person in really amazing ways. Right. And so I don't I don't know that it's always fair to say, here are the five things I would like to have happen to this person. Right. Instead right, right, of right. saying, okay, where is God actually active in the world? And how can I be involved? How can I tap into that? amazing, wonderful, loving, creative energy and be a part of that instead right. of saying, here's here's the list, God. 
So this is when we remember that we can't actually do it ourselves because our, our frame of reference is limited. Yes. Yes. Our frame of reference is limited. Our, our vision is limited. Uh, we can't do recovery on our own because our own solutions tend to be pretty self-centered, very well, well controlled, and with all of our preferences and addictions firmly in place, place. and just yeah. a little better hidden. You can't change what you're, what you're going to. Yeah. So you have to let God radically change your central reference point. And prayer is the, is a way we open ourselves up to that. Yeah, reprogram our hardware a little bit. Right. And and sometimes it'll take a moment and sometimes it takes some time. Some time. And the thing that I like that Richard Rohr said is addiction, whatever addiction is for us, addiction uses up all of that spiritual energy because we're looking for that kind of mm-hmm. relationship or hit. Yeah. And instead we we find addiction instead of God. And then we use and use and use and we need to use more and more and more. And it's not working. So we use more. Right. Or we decide it's not working and we change change the thing we're putting in that place. Right. So Um, addiction uses up and then wastes all of our spiritual desire and it starves us. Yeah. Instead of reorienting our spiritual desire towards this God as we understand God. Right. So, so the example that, that was really striking to me as, as I was looking through this chapter, all the conversation we had about how we, how, what prayer isn't, mm-hmm. when you look at all those things, it's a way for us to control. Yeah. And it might, it reminded me, I said, oh, most of us are addicted to control. Yeah. And when you think of those places that you have felt out of control and have desperately tried to control, when you think about those, you begin to understand what we're talking about here. Cause you, cause I think it's a lot easier to feel that than maybe um, some other addictions. Of course. Control becomes the thing you, you fall deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. in addiction of to it. And it makes your life more and more unmanageable, more and more unmanageable. Right. Because, and, and, and the hole you're trying to fill the way you're trying to make yourself feel that peace comes. When you, you know, seed control, <laughs> when you seed control. When you're willing to be you in the midst of whatever the chaos is around you. Right. And you're willing to let other people make their own mistakes. Yeah. And you're willing to... to um, Which is tough. It is tough. You know, this has been true for me the whole time I've been in ministry and I see people making uh, mistakes and you just go, please just listen. Just listen to us. Can you, can you, and you can't not... fix anybody else. But it's it's true in a whole new way as a step parent. Oh, yeah. Because there is a child, and mm-hmm. I think the child should listen to adults, and the child does not think that she should listen to <laughs> adults. And so, you know, how do you be present with somebody? How do you love somebody when they're making a mistake without condoning the mistake? Yeah, and, and without... Forgetting all of who they are instead of just conflating them with that mistake. Right. How do we see that as a spiritual practice to let God do God's thing with that person? Mm-hmm. And let God do God's thing with us right. and not not think that God's telling us to do God the God thing that God just did with us with them. Right. Exactly. So prayer helps us to develop a relationship with God, an openness mm-hmm. to God. And so when we ask God to remove all these defects of character, we can be paying attention to what God is actually doing. Amen. Instead of trying to force God to do a particular thing in a particular way, which has never actually worked for us. So at my church, because it's art town here in Reno, it's the month of July. It's all concerts and ballet recitals and performances and plays and everything's free. It's fantastic Uh, just to do local art with local community and whoever else comes along is great too. We played an artsy kind of video about prayer. Oh, nice. um, By Rob Bell. It's about 20 years old now. Uh, Rob Bell's NUMA video, Open. And yeah. so I'll put a link on YouTube 
uh, for that in the archive. And it's about a 10 minute video. It's well worth watching. The version that you'll find on YouTube that's free will probably have Portuguese subtitles. And I'm sorry about that in advance. <laughs> but you can work on your Portuguese. You work on your Portuguese. While you work, work on your spirit. While you work on your spirit. It's pretty good. Uh, but the the heart of the video is he's walking along a line of cars at night that all have their headlights on. And you don't know why all these cars are waiting. It flashes back and forth between him preaching as he's walking and this girl who's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And slowly she gets up out of her hospital bed and puts on her slippers. And she's got some injuries and walks down the hallway. And as she's walking down the hallway, eventually he arrives at the scene of a car accident. Mm. And there are two people on stretchers. She's on a stretcher with all of her injuries untreated. And she's looking inside the car at another person who was in the accident, who has not yet been pulled out. And she sees this person's face. And so she gets put into the ambulance and then it flashes back to this girl and she walks into a different room with the hospital bed. And it's the person who was in the accident with her. You don't know who's at fault in this accident. But she goes over and sits down and just takes that person's hand because they haven't woken up yet. Yeah. And so he says, prayer is not really about getting God to do what you want. And it's not about you doing all the things that you think God should be doing. It's about you paying attention to where God is moving Mm -hmm. and being willing to be part of that agency in the world, be part of that action in the world. And so for for this, this image that he was using, it's you can't control the car accident. But given that you're in the midst of the car accident, what are you going to do? How can you be loving? How can you be kind? How can you help to yeah. heal? Um, how can you be present to mm-hmm. one another? Whether you are the person at fault or not, um, without needing to control the situation, how can you offer yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And that covers all the things we talked about. So we will be back in about a week with step eight and another sermon for you. But for now, for now, thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In podcast. If you have stories or anything that you'd like to share about what we've been talking about today, you can shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our Facebook page under the post or on the blog, sundaymorningsleepin.com, which also has links to the book that we're talking about, to the scriptures, that these sermons are based on. The scripture for these podcasts will be posted there. I preached on Ephesians 4, 6 through 7. And Susan, you preached on, I think, all three of them. Yeah. Um, So they'll they'll all be posted there. The theme music that you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. At the end of every worship service, we give instructions or a blessing or a sending forth. A, A little pep talk, maybe, is a good way to describe it. And this is the one my congregation recited on Sunday. Whenever we miss the power of your persistent recycling fountain of grace, O God, shake us up, wake us up, change us, let us be your people both now and forevermore. Amen.